Welcome to Monoreal Radio Dockside, chat number two. I'm Sean. And I'm Jackie. And we are coming to you live from Dockside Margarita on a picturesque Saturday night here at Disney Springs. 75 degrees, the Edison lights are here, you've got a cool breeze, it is so incredibly comfortable for mid-May. These are the evenings that when we would sit there and... In, in January and February, freezing, going, God, I want to be at Dockside so bad. These are the nights we <laughs> dreamed about. Absolutely, yeah. This is exactly, this is why you come here, really. Is it only 75, though? It feels a little bit warmer. Now it's only 75. That breeze is making quite the difference, though. That is nice. Yeah, so we're here to talk to you guys uh, today about some of the things that we've been experiencing here at uh, at Disney as locals. If you missed our first Dockside chat, welcome. We're happy to have you here. We recently moved down to Walt Disney World, and this is kind of us chronicling what it's like for us to be down as Disney locals, specifically without APs at the moment. <laughs> um, so it's kind of become like more of a dining review than it has anything else, because that's what we can do at Disney World until the APs come. But i got to be honest with you. There was a part of me, and we're going to discuss this, it is a part of a bigger conversation today. There was a part of me that feared that maybe that would get a little old quickly. But I'm going to be honest with you, as antsy as I'm getting, it's not getting old discovering new hotels and new restaurants and new places to hang out. Yeah, I have zero issues with any of that. Yeah. So let's start with something that we did a couple of weeks ago. Uh, We got to attend a meet of the month uh, with our good friend Lou Mangello at WDW Radio. Finally. Finally. It's been a long time coming, and he did a meet of the month at Everglazed. Now, we've been to Everglazed before, but what we haven't had at Everglazed is anything other than a donut. We haven't had any hot food from there. Yes, we've had the coffee, but, like, not what you would consider a quote-unquote entree. Right, and we have heard nothing but great things about the chicken sandwich, so you were very excited to try that one. To have the funky chicken, and... It was good. Here's the thing. Am I going to tell you it's the best chicken sandwich I've ever had? No. Will I echo the sentiment that it's probably the best chicken sandwich on Disney property? Yes, that I will say. It was well-seasoned. It was juicy. It was a really good quality chicken sandwich. But for some reason, I had it in my mind that it came on a donut. So when it didn't, not that I needed a donut, but I was partially disappointed that it didn't come on a donut. Same. I thought... All breakfast sandwiches came on a donut. No, the breakfast sandwich on the donut is the one that comes on the donut. The breakfast burger, which is what I got, did not in fact come on a donut. It was still great, but I was slightly disappointed because I really wanted that like sweet and savory. Right. Uh, So it was good, but it was a pretty standard breakfast sandwich. It wasn't everything that I was hoping for and more. Um, So that's just another excuse to go back. What I will say, though, was a pleasant surprise because normally my default at Everglades is the ube donut. And the last time we were here on vacation in November of 2021, I was a little disappointed because they started putting sugar on it. So I haven't gotten that as frequently. So I was kind of excited to try something different on the menu. Uh, the coffee is not as sweet as I remembered. I, I'm so glad you brought this up because I was about to say the same thing. I got that 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 peanut butter cup coffee that when you had it, I didn't order it again because it was a sugar bomb. I hated it. Yeah. But for whatever reason, I said, let me give it another chance. It was so much 
better the second time around. I guess they just didn't pump as much of the mix in. I'm not sure what they did, but whatever it is that they did, they got it right. No, I was seriously getting concerned that it was like Dunkin' Donuts, where the standard is like four pumps of syrup and everything is just so sugary sweet. But um, I think it really just depends. I don't know if they adjusted things or if it was just dependent on who made it, uh, but it was so much better this time around. But even better than the food and the excellent coffee uh, was the company. Yeah. This was something that for as much... Now we're, we're two months in. We yeah. just hit the two-month mark since we closed on our home. Um, for as much as I'm starting to feel settled and getting used to things, going to this meet of the month is what made me feel more like a local than anything else. Because Lou is someone that we followed for a really long time. Sean has gotten to know him through being on the WDW running team. Um, but he was always like our link to the park when we couldn't be here. And he is that for so many people. Um, so to finally be here and be able to attend one of these Meet of the Months and see not only him, but our good friend Lisa Donato from the Castle Run uh, to get to meet uh, Julie Voorhees. Um, yeah. There are so many people that... I have found on social media through Lou that we got to meet in person. It was it was kind of surreal being there. Yeah, it was one of those things where we went on for two hours, but I could have gone on for another ten. It was one of those events that you kind of hoped wouldn't end because it was so nice to, to your point, meet people that we had only known through social media. Now, we had obviously met, we had been with Lou face-to-face before. Right. But for all of these other people that we've only since known since being on social media... Fantastic. Excellent. Thank you. The service here, impeccable. (laughs) Um, But to get to see these people in person that you only knew through social media, to your point, so surreal because it's so many people that you see constantly being at Disney Springs. They've attended multiple meet of the month. It was nice to finally put... You know, to shake it, to, to to take a you know a line from Lou, a handshake and a hug. It was nice to finally have that with people, especially after the last two years. No, and I don't want it to seem like I was starstruck or anything like that. But it was just nice to be able to, as you said, you know, put the names to the faces, to be able to introduce ourselves, and to to not be jealous of these people for being <laughs> here. No, seriously, yes. I'm, I'm being completely serious. Like. I think that's what it was for me. It wasn't just like meeting a persona that I've only known online. For me, it's like a jealousy thing that you get to be here all the time. And I was like, I'm, I'm you now. This is wild. <laughs> um, and we did also get to spend some time with some of our lovely friends who did attend the Meet of the Month, people that we have gotten to spend some quality time with. So it was just nice feeling a part of it, is my point. For sure. And then going to Splitsville afterwards. Now, I had been to the Splitsville in Tampa. But we had never been to the Splitsville here. That's something I kind of get unless you're here for a really long vacation. You're not going to take the time out to be like, let's go bowling. Unless you are cursed with some really bad weather on your vacation. Right, right. But I got to tell you something. We were on the second floor. We overlooked Disney Springs. The view was incredible. The drinks were great. Yeah, I got to tell you something. That is the creamiest pina colada I've ever had. It says so on their sign outside. It's not a lie. But they know what they're doing. It's it's completely true. 
it was just so smooth. And and you did. I think you did the floater on top, correct? I, I sure did. did. <laughs> I sure did. <laughs> but uh, it was it was a good pina colada. Yeah, it was excellent. And talking about creamy, from there we went to Salt and Straw because Salt and Straw had only <laughs> just we have opened. Issues. No, we don't have issues. We have solutions. We brought a cooler with us. I am not lying. We brought a cooler with us to go to Salt and Straw. It had only been open for a couple of days. I was very concerned that we were going to have to wait online for like an hour to get grab-and-go ice cream. But you, being the social media wizard that you are, had found a brilliant hack. I did. Uh, A lot of people may not know this, and a lot of people may be deterred by the crazy line outside. If you are not getting ice cream to consume in that moment, or do the ice cream sampler, you can get the pints, which I don't recommend unless you're leaving Springs to go immediately back to your hotel room or you have something on you. Actually, no, Salt and Straw does have you covered. They sell the cooler bags. Yeah. So you can keep it cool, but I would not recommend it if you are going there before you're eating and then you go have dinner and then you're leaving. Like, you need to just get it and go back to your hotel and keep it cold. Um, It's certainly not something that unless you live locally, you're getting home with you. It's not coming on the plane. Uh, But it is a great hack if you just go in and grab the pints and then, you know, while people are sitting there sampling all their ice cream, they will ring you out when they have a little bit of a breather from the line. Um, Yeah, we went, and it wasn't, please don't misunderstand, we were not, like, beating down the doors to be the first people in there the first weekend. We got to have salt and straw when we went to visit Disneyland. It was not even at downtown Disney yet. Right. We stayed at an Airbnb in Venice, and that was like our local ice cream place, not knowing what a thing it was about to become, because they've also partnered with The Rock. Right. So it's just a natural fit that for as much as he does with Disney, that it's here now. Uh, But if you've not had it, it's really unique ice cream. They have some really unique flavors like honey lavender, which is maybe depending on where you're from, not so out there. They have an olive oil, I believe, which is what they're known for. Uh, We got a guava donut, which was really good. It's a really smooth guava ice cream with like pieces of donut in it. Yeah. Uh, More donut than my Everglazed breakfast sandwich (laughs) had. Yes. Um, We got uh, a snicker churro, which was really, really good. And... I highly recommend trying them on their own and not sampling all three in one dish, which is what somebody made me do when we got home. And then complained that the Snicker churro tasted like chalk. Why? Because your honey lavender contaminated it. No. They're not meant to be consumed altogether. It's because it was powdery. They really leaned into the churro aspect of that. What I had it the second time around... It was much creamier and much smoother. Because I put it on its own in a bowl. You're powdery. Ah, I've been called worse (laughs) today, and the night is still young. Um, Speaking of nights, we want to throw this out there, too, because it's not something that you do at Walt Disney World, but if you are traveling here and you're looking for something unique and off the beaten path to do, we did it. It was actually your Christmas gift that I got for you this year. Before we even had our home, we knew we were going to be down here. Uh, but before we had actually come house hunting and found a home to close on, uh, you had gotten me this. Because that's something that 
was really important to me being on Long Island. There just is so much to do. You have the city, you have the East End, you have the wineries, you have upstate. Um, and coming down here, as much as I knew I would enjoy coming to Disney all the time and enjoy the beach, I just didn't know like how many unique experiences other than like an airboat tour or something there were going to be. So I was really excited that you found something so different and so out there and so close to both our home, to Disney. Um, I was so excited to experience this. And yes. it, it delivered on everything. Yeah, so I got Jackie tickets for a nighttime bioluminescent kayak tour on the Indian River, which is better to do if there's a new moon and you go out on your kayak and the water glows and the jellyfish glow. And I will tell you, like, part of me was like, ah, how good is it going to be? It was spectacular. Now, listen, just, I'm putting this out there. It's not, not Pandora. Pandora. It's not Pandora. So go in there with a realistic expectation, but understand what you're seeing is the algae in the water glow in the dark. It's absolutely stunning. And they do, it is a guided tour. You're not out there on your own. You go in groups of 10 at a time. You do have someone that's explaining to you what you're seeing. But when it really clicked with us, was that when you put your paddle in the water, you think it's the bubbles that you're seeing, and then you realize, oh no, it's too dark to actually see the bubbles. So that is what's glowing, and that's what's making it, uh, that is the bioluminescence. Uh, it was so cool, um, and highly recommend, you know, if you do come to Disney often, but you're looking to do something a little bit different, maybe get off property, uh, it's like a half hour. It's a nothing drive, it's so easy to do. Um, you do, uh, once you get into the area of Titusville, you do have to go over a bridge and then you're sort of on the, um, on the barrier island, uh, and it's a little bit of a drive out it there. Is, There's yeah. not much around, and that's not to say it's desolate, uh, but it's just like one straight road in, one straight road out, but, uh, we did it with, um... BH Adventures. Yes, BK Adventures. BK Adventures, I'm sorry. They were wonderful. Uh, they were absolutely fantastic. So that's something that we can't recommend enough. And if, you know, like I said, if you're interested in doing something a little bit different on your Disney vacation, you know, feel free to message us and ask us more about it because it was wonderful. Yeah. And it's over by the Kennedy Space Center, too. So if you really wanted to make a day of it, if you had a day to kill and you wanted to, you could spend your day at the Kennedy Space Center, have some dinner locally, and then go the nighttime bioluminescent route. Highly recommend. Yeah. Highly recommend. Speaking of dinners, the night after we did the bioluminescent tour, we went to Kona Cafe. Now, it's funny because the last time we sat here, we talked about having lunch at Kona Cafe. Which we really just did so that we could get onto the monorail loop and go see the Easter eggs at the Grand Floridian. And we're so pleasantly blown away by that lunch. It was something that we wanted to do again. Right. So we went back and had dinner. And the dinner at Kona, I would go so far as to say, was even better than the lunch. Some of the menu items are the same between lunch and dinner. Um... But there were a couple of... Well, I tried something different this time. I got the poke bowl, and it was excellent. I had, for lunch... When we went for lunch, I had the banh mi. Now I had the poke bowl. Uh, and we tried the dumplings for the first time. That yes. was new for us. We thought we were getting Ohana dumplings, and I was not disappointed that they weren't. It is like a 
true pot sticker because the whole they put like cheese on them or something yes. so all six dumplings stick together and they're, they're like pull apart dumplings. I, I don't know how crispy. else to describe it, but they were they were incredible. And I had the crispy cheddar burger because they didn't have the stir fry noodles. That was only a lunch menu item, and so I got the burger instead. I was not disappointed. The food at Kona, I mean, now we have done breakfast, lunch, and dinner. The food there just totally slaps. It's good all of the time. Listen to you, totally slaps. I'm trying to connect with the younger audience now. <laughs> As I hit my mid-30s, I'm trying to connect with the young, hip Disney audience. But the food is spectacular. And there goes the volcano. You guys heard it the last time. The volcano over at Rainforest Cafe. Um, we are sitting on the far end of Dockside, and I can feel that fire. It's, it's not uncomfortable. It's certainly not uncomfortable. That's for sure. All right, let's talk about your birthday. Yes. Because... We had a very nice celebration. Jackie's parents came down from Long Island to visit because it was your birthday and it was... Uh, because mo- Walt. Because Walt. Let's be honest, they came to see the dog. And it was Mother's Day and it was your birthday, but mostly to see the dog. And we went to a restaurant uh, on Mother's Day because Mother's Day fell on your birthday. We went to a restaurant that... Well, before we get into that, actually, oh. what I really wanted to do for my birthday... Oh, yes, yes, ...was yes. the tequila tasting at Epcot, which you can book through La Cava. Uh, I think they they run it at certain times a day. You just have to make the reservation. Right. Uh, and it's like 150 bucks to sample a whole bunch of different tequila. This is my dream. <laughs> um, but my dream is turned into a nightmare because I can't get an AP. So I needed to come up... With another solution, which, by the way, my mother was totally down to do this. Yes, it was Mother's Day, and I want—I was keeping her in mind, but she was absolutely down for this. Uh, and then I had to disappoint her because we don't have APs. But what we did do instead, uh, I would say worked out better in some ways. Yeah, it's a restaurant that I think we've mentioned on the show a couple of times, but we don't give it the love that it deserves. And I personally am kind of surprised because when people have asked in the past what are some of my favorite restaurants at Disney for some reason I don't know why I have a mental block against it and I keep forgetting about Three Bridges I really don't know why because Neither do I, I think about it like every day I don't I know I wonder either. if it's thinking of me too because I really love it so it was the perfect birthday um, we, we got in um, I would say around like Seven o'clock. Seven about, yeah, it was about seven o'clock. Uh, and we put our name on the walk-up list, which, hot tip, you cannot do. You are geo-blocked until you are actually on the grounds of Coronado Springs, which is fair because if you are staying there, you should not be blocked out Correct. from going to your hotel bar or hotel lounge. Uh, there are a couple of lounges and bars at Coronado Springs. Yes. Uh, so while we were waiting, we had about an hour uh, on the walk-up list yeah. for Three Bridges. So we went all the way up to the top to Toledo. Um, and we went to the lounge up there. Yeah, the Dahlia Lounge. Yes, thank you. Um, which obviously, you know, my parents, there's no reason that they would have ever been up there. So it was kind of cool to show them the view. And we got a nice table and we had some drinks. Um, I got the the Daisy Tequila, I think it was called. Yeah. That might be my new favorite drink on property. It was excellent. It was beautiful. The presentation was gorgeous. The color was fantastic. Um, and it was so smooth. And I got the punch. 
and it was amazing. That was my tequila tasting, and I was not disappointed with it at all. But it was interesting, actually, doing it with your father, because your father travels for business all of the time, and he had been to Coronado quite a few times on business trips, which is not uncommon for Coronado. And he had not been there since the renovations. Right. And he couldn't believe the work that they did. And he said that it, he was taken aback by how absolutely stunning it was, how great the restaurants were, the lounges. We were lucky enough to get a, uh, to get a little booth with two couches outside mm-hmm. on the terrace overlooking. He was taken aback by it. And the experience only got better once we got to Three Bridges. Yeah, I mean, as we said, the food there is absolutely phenomenal, uh, but we got the low couches to yeah. sit at, which my parents weren't expecting, so that was kind of fun. That was nice. They were, you know, they didn't even know that that was an option, uh, so that was really fun to just be able to kick it on the couches. Um, everybody loved their food. Uh, we finally got to try the infamous corn dip. Oh, yes. Which we had never had before. We've, we always do the queso, the, yeah. the queso fundido, yeah. which is excellent. With the chorizo. That's, that's, a, that's a staple. Um, but, yeah, we've never done the corn dip before, so that was awesome. Um, and then we didn't even realize that we inadvertently timed it and we got the harmonious fireworks. Which birthday fireworks? I, uh, I hesitate because it's harmonious, but at the same time, that was my first birthday in Disney, so that was kind of cool to have birthday fireworks. But okay, that's that's the hack. You can go without having to see the giant tacos and still get the fireworks show from Coronado. Absolutely, that's the way to do it. So you think about a year ago, right? If someone would have told you you're going to have your birthday on Mother's Day at Three Bridges with Epcot fireworks, how does that sound to you? You would have signed up for it in a heartbeat. I probably would have said, I want to go to a Yankee game, but... (laughs) This year, not last year, this year you want to go to a Yankee game. Um, No, it, it is one of those things that, you know, when I sit here in my diehard New York ways... That just reinforces how happy I am to be here. Yeah, it really is. It, it's been it's been an interesting transition. It's been a great transition, um, and the fun doesn't stop there because we were very fortunate tonight actually to go have a phenomenal meal. Friends of ours were in town. They took their daughter to Disney World for the first time. I planned their vacation, which was really fun. Uh, and it was really interesting for me to actually like be able to take part in it. Yeah. In some way, unfortunately, again, thanks Bob Chapek, we don't have our APs. We couldn't join them in the park. But it was so nice instead of like hearing about the vacation after the fact to see them, you know, in the moment, having just come out of a park, buzzing about their vacation, to see how much. They're, they're seeing it through their daughter's eyes and, and they're able to experience it in a whole new way. Um, that's just one of those things. I, I'm actually getting like a little emotional just kind of thinking about it, to be able to experience that firsthand. And she's just about three years old, so to see how she reacts and when you ask, did you see Minnie Mouse and how excited she gets to answer those questions, it was awesome to see. No, and this was actually a trip that they had pushed back due to COVID. So the difference with her age now, that she's getting more into the princesses and that she can remember things and she can appreciate it more. Like, I don't know that they're staying at Pop, so I don't know that they would have loved the Skyliner the same way if she was younger. Maybe she would have been afraid to do it. Yeah, now, now she's all about it. 
it was fun for us and then for me to see because you know he has been my best friend one of my best friends literally since kindergarten so to see his daughter who's not quite as old as we were when we met each other but she's closing in on it to, it's oh, kind of surreal wild. yeah so it's <laughs> surreal to see him with her experiencing all of this for the first time was absolutely incredible almost as incredible in, as that moment was the meal that we had at Il Molino we at, had the, never, at the Swan yes we had never been um, apparently it is a New York restaurant so you can go but I was excited to try it because, you know, we have since moving here found decent pizza. Decent, that's the nicest thing I'll say about Whoa, it. Oh, the pizza, our pizza's fantastic. The cold fire pizza, it's good, but like it's not the same. It's not the same as a New York slice. Nothing will ever be. The hibachi place, though. Yes, the hibachi place. Is that's good. pretty close. But that's not Disney. We're not talking about that. Right. Uh, I was excited to try Italian food down here and I figured Disney was the safest gateway into that because of course it's going to be good it's Disney uh, and it delivered it was great Yeah. and the restaurant was so nice it's all like the brickwork in there it's so pretty in there um, it, it does have a very New York feel but we, we had a 6 o'clock reservation and not realizing it we had the sun going down uh, and the whole room in there just glowed it was really pretty yeah, and for full disclosure, the everybody left very satisfied with their meals. Um, I had the spaghetti carbonara, was awesome. You had the gnocchi bolognese, awesome. And comforting to know that I can get good gnocchi down here. Um, so just for reference, five entrees and four cocktails, because, you know, the two-and-a-half-year-old obviously was not having Chardonnay with us. Um, the total bill was only 185 bucks. And they brought us limoncello. Yeah, on on the arm. I mean, I threw the kid a few bucks as a thank you for coming over, but, like, I was surprised with how reasonable the price was yeah. for that food. And, you know, the Swan and Dolphin, people tend to fall asleep on the Swan and Dolphin, but, you know, Il Molino's there, Blue Zoo is there, Shula's is there. There is a lot of really good food to be had. If you want to get food on Disney property... But if you may be looking to get a break from Disney Springs and they will validate your parking as well. Yes, that was definitely a good thing to know uh, that they would validate it because otherwise it's like 32 bucks. And right. they offer valet. They do offer valet. Um, but yeah, the price point really did surprise me because the Swan and Dolphin is like, yes, it's on property, but it is not a Disney resort. So I thought being that there is a lot of business class that stays there, they do a lot of weddings, it is the most non-Disney of all the resorts, I really thought they were going to clobber you over the head. Right, and they really didn't, obviously not at all, for, for five people to eat with cocktails and come in under $200. Now for some people, depending on where you're from, that's going to seem like a lot of money. Now maybe we're an outlier having come from New York. To us, that, that's good value. Right. There were a lot of restaurants we would go to and spend, you know, over $100 for just the two of us. And quite frankly, we didn't get quite as much food, nor the quality of food that we got tonight at Il Molino. Yeah, and the menu is fantastic, too. Like, it, we're definitely going to go back. Yeah, and this, there's yeah. so many other things that I would try. And the service was exceptional. Yeah, it, it truly it was. It was really great. All right, so we have... We have some park stuff to talk about, but before we get to the park stuff, 
we did want to talk about the future of the Pirates of the Caribbean film franchise. Because unless you live under a rock, or according to Amber Heard, have been hit by one, um, <laughs> you, you are aware of what has happened with Johnny Depp and Amanda Heard. Um, and Johnny Depp no longer being a part of the Pirates of the Caribbean film franchise. Now, a lot of people, ourselves included, thought that the sixth pirate film was really just a film in principle and that they hadn't come very close to being in production when they decided that Johnny Depp was no longer going to be a part of the franchise and we could not have been more wrong about that. Let me just take a sip of my mega pint of margarita before we unpack this. Objection, hearsay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I'm not trying to make a joke of what is a very serious subject. For sure. But... No, her lawyers have done enough of that on their own. They have. It's a... I don't know... I guess the clowns from Ringling Brothers have been trying to find work until they do get back on tour without the elephants. Um, But you want to talk about, you know, not my monkeys, not my circus. Johnny Depp and his attorneys are literally laughing at what what is transpiring. And I I have to say there are a lot of people that are supporting Johnny Depp. It goes further beyond just being fans of Pirates of the Caribbean. It's people that are advocating for real victims, um, of which I think there's a victim here, but I don't think it's the victim that a lot of people jump to the conclusion that was the victim. No, I am never going to make light of any sort of domestic dispute. Right. But here's the thing. I am a little biased because I am a longtime fan of Johnny Depp, and I am talking about way before Pirates of the Caribbean. I have loved him since Sleepy Hollow, and when I was, you know, when I first saw that, I think it came out in like 1999. So I was 13. Fantastic, Tom. Thank you. Thank you. Go see Tom when you're here. Uh, So yeah, I, I was 13 when this movie came out. I loved it immediately on premise of Johnny Depp plus Tim Burton in in this really hyper-stylized horror movie. Um, And because that was, you know, a really formative time when I started figuring out that I really wanted to go into television and film, it really exposed me to a lot of other films because simply because Johnny was in them. I wanted to see all of his films because I was a fan of him as an actor. And it got me to see things like Fear and Loathing and Ed Wood because he was in such highly critically acclaimed films it really did give me Chocolat how could I forget that Gilbert Grape Gilbert oh my god yeah. Benny and June yeah uh, you know where he's like a, a, almost a silent filmier actor um, just so many amazing movies that I might not have discovered but I was just simply following his career as a fan. So with all that being said, I have done my homework. I have really researched his career. And the guy does not like attention. He has made a career of staying out of the spotlight. So for me, this is twofold. For me, I don't think that he would be going through all of this with the trial if he didn't believe he was 100% right. Yeah. And... 
the shame of it is, I think a lot of people are going to take away that he said some very colorfully worded things in text messages, and it's going to be very hard for him to come back for this, no matter what the the jury finds, just simply because they have aired all of the dirty laundry. But I truly don't believe he would have put himself through this in front of the world stage and his children right? if he were in the wrong. The other part to this that makes me really, really sad is how much he loved Jack Sparrow to a point where a private person would dress up in this character and go visit children's hospitals or go on the ride in Disney World to surprise his fans. It brought out a side of him that we had never seen before because he loved this character so much and put him in the spotlight that he had shied away from. And to see him lose that, we knew a couple of years ago when they introduced Red on the ride that they had also made some changes to the Johnny Depp anim- or the Captain Jack Sparrow animatronics because of the Me Too movement and because that's when these accusations started. Um, they changed the animatronic to look less like him because in case things went south, they didn't want him represented on this ride. And and I get that. I get that Disney had to answer it. I really do. But he said it himself. Why is it that after we've had such a success a successful relationship, why is it that I'm guilty until proven innocent? And that is what it is making me sad. Well, yes, and that's without getting into too much of a commentary this is a very slippery slope that society has gotten into you are no longer innocent until proven guilty you are automatically guilty and quite honestly when it comes to disney they don't gradually do anything they go from zero to 60 so with that being said the question now becomes what does this mean for johnny depp in terms of pirates of the caribbean the film what does this mean in regards to Captain Jack Sparrow in Pirates of the Caribbean as a park attraction. Right. And that's kind of how we've tied it into a dockside chat. And to make it short and sweet, the case is not over. But you know what? If the court of public opinion can condemn somebody in a heartbeat, they can also forgive somebody in a heartbeat. And the court of public opinion right now says... Johnny Depp is Captain Jack Sparrow, and he shouldn't go away anytime soon. And I think that when the smoke clears, when the dust settles, and when this whole thing is done, I think that Captain Jack will continue to be a focal point of the attraction. I think he will continue to be a focal point of Walt Disney World. And out of respect to Johnny Depp, who's making you all of that money with his likeness, I believe it is time for Captain Jack Sparrow to return to the Pirates of the Caribbean film franchises, and I think that's exactly what's going to happen. I really, really hope so. At the very least, Disney owes him a giant apology. But here's where this does become a slippery slope, too, because he is so put off that they didn't have good faith in him, he said he'd never go back to it. I think that's out of spite. He said, not for $300 million would I go back to it. I bet you, if they offered him $301 million, he'll take that deal. 
Yeah, I, I, think, I, I think he loves this character too much and loves what it represents. I don't think that he's he's ever going to be really gone. It's just a matter of letting this dust settle and and hopefully clearing his name. Right. Remember, part of that statement is he needs to save face because for the sake of trying to save whatever career he has left, he can't make it seem like he got fired from it. He, he needs to make it seem like he walked away. Right. I get it. It's total PR. His people told him to say that. Whether he believed it or not, I don't know. But hearing how he spoke about it, it's like he's talking out of two sides of his mouth. Because on the one hand, he's saying he wouldn't do it again. But then on the other side, he's talking about how heartbroken he is. That's the, I think that's the truth. For sure. All right. Let's move on from this and talk... Happier subjects. Happier subjects. Like Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party. Kudos to you. Because the last time we sat here for a dockside chat as the volcano goes off, you said that you expected that an announcement was coming soon regarding Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween. And I don't even think it was Six a week. Months out. I don't even think it was a week and a half later we had the announcement. It's back. It's back in its full form. It's back in its old price point. It's back in its old discounts if you are DVC or annual pass. And. I think, and I've said it on the show before, somebody is listening to Disney Parks fans, whether it's Bob Chapik or, or Josh Tomorrow or somebody else, but somebody is listening. Somebody is listening. Because if they could have gotten away with doing another version of the Halloween party similar to what they did last year, raking people over the coals price-wise, not giving you what you're accustomed to, they would have done it. Double the price and half the elements that you would normally get. But we are getting it back in its traditional form, and finally, 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 we are able to attend. Tickets go on sale this Tuesday. They are on sale if you're a resort guest already. Right, right. And we've already picked out two dates. We have the primary date that we want. We've got a backup date that we want. We've had tickets once. It was canceled because of COVID. I am so excited to finally experience Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party. I have to laugh because when we had those tickets in 2020, so naive, we were like, well, surely this will be done by then. No, oh, God, how wrong we were. How wrong we were. Um... No, I'm I'm so excited for this. Uh, well, I was already excited just the way that they rolled it all out. I love that Halfway to Halloween has not only become like a date on the calendar, but how everyone got behind it. They released all the treats in Disney Springs and in the parks. There was special merch and all that that you could just get for, you know, simply because it was six months out. And it's very smart on Disney's part to give us a little preview of what the merch is going to be especially yeah. because oh my god those dancing skeleton hoodies got your name written oh, all over give it give me um no we will definitely be going to not so scary my fear though is that that is going to be the first time we set foot in the parks as locals i really hope that that's not the case and like look i'm not trying to sound cheap or anything could we go to the park for a day yeah but the fact is we are about an hour and a half away from the parks. We have a dog, so our park day is limited to eight hours. When you take the drive away from that, there and back, now you're down five to five hours. hours. When you factor in parking, mm, four and a half. Not worth it. No, and this is a part of a bigger conversation, I think. Um, 
that we were going to have. I was I was going to save it for later on in in our conversation, but I think now is just the time to have it. Um, call me spiteful, call me stubborn if you want, but at the end of the day, I just don't see the value in spending over 10% of what it would cost for the year to spend four and a half hours at a park now. I'm willing to sit and wait it out, but I'm starting to get antsy, and you're starting to get antsy. The question is, do I think we can hold out? And if I'm being honest with you, and this is the answer that the mouse wants, my answer as I sit here right now is, I don't know. We really want to see Flower and Garden. Um, See, that's it. Epcot, for four and a half hours, you and I could do a lot of damage. If we didn't do rides and we just kind of drank around the world and hit up all the booths, uh, maybe if we can get on Guardians when it opens, then... Then, yeah, I would think about it. But in terms of, you know, an AP, if we go once a month, it pays for itself. Right. To start shelling that out once every time. Uh, I know. And, and the thing it's, with... It's value. I'm not trying to sound cheap. It is, it is looking at things in terms of value. Right. And the thing with Guardian specifically, and that's what I want to talk about next, is... Um, I want to go on Guardians so bad. But the problem is, they're not doing standby, which I understand, they're doing virtual queue. But the worst thing that could possibly happen is we decide that we're going to shell out 10% of our annual pass for the year to go for four and a half hours to hopefully get on Guardians and then find out at five after seven in the morning that we did not get on the virtual queue. Right. Or that we're on the virtual queue, but we're, you know, group number 147 and we might not get called that day. Right. Or we're going to get called at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, but we planned on being there for rope drop. You know what I'm saying? It's just, there's so many factors that play into it that I'm so tempted to just bite the bullet and do it. But at the same time, I just know how irresponsible that would be. And so it's all about willpower at this point and how many restaurants can we eat at and when will the <laughs> APs come back? There's plenty of food. It's just I hope these APs come back because I want to experience Guardians of the Galaxy because so many of our friends have done the previews, whether it's been AP or media or DVC or what have you, and everybody is walking away saying the same thing, that it is an incredible experience. I mean, I'm excited for it, but to me, I mean, obviously it's very exciting, and this is like a groundbreaking coaster. Um... But for me, as far as the APs go, it's not about that. It's not having access to this coaster. To me, it's being able to do all the things that we do on vacation that we're like, man, you know, if we want to go on this ride, we can't sit here a little bit longer and just take in our surroundings or enjoy another drink. Yeah. It's, it's doing all of the things that we don't usually have the time for. Right. Like, this is kind of silly, but anytime we've gone to Animal Kingdom... I love the gorillas. I yep. love sitting there. I love watching them. And I have said to Sean every single time, if we lived here, I could spend an entire day with the gorillas. That's the kind of stuff that I want to do. 
yeah, we've we've often had dreamed and joked before we came down here about how fun would it be to just have coffee with the gorillas? Just grab a cup of coffee and come and sit and watch the gorillas for two hours, three hours. And that's hours. where it's like this tease of, you know, we're right here and we, we can't, it's not that we can't get in, we can, but I just don't see it being worth it just yet, especially when we are able to enjoy so many of these other things. Right. Now, if there's anything we might bite the bullet on, in the immediate future, it's the water parks because they did announce for Florida residents a two-day water park ticket that does not need to be used on consecutive days for $66 a person. To me, that's good value, especially as we're getting into the super hot months here down in Florida. But to me, that says they are desperate to boost attendance. And that would that would like lead you to believe that TAPs were coming back soon. Right. But not exactly. Um, while we're on the topic of Guardians and the topic of Epcot, let's talk about the Epcot redesign. That was kind of a shock. I was so happy to get this announcement. I was and I wasn't because obviously this is a pivot from what we saw at D23 a couple of years ago. It looks absolutely incredible, but my question is pivot or not, was this a budget cut? Because everybody was so hyped up about the new design of Epcot. I was. Yeah. I could wait for the Mary Poppins ride. I don't think that that's dead in the water yet. I think we're going to get that eventually, but I can wait for it. My thing is, why don't you just do this the way that you promised and stick to the initial design, even if it means having to wait? I am sick of seeing the construction walls. Right. But... I would still be willing to wait for it. I personally think that this is their way of completing a project faster. So to answer your question and move forward from there, do I think this is a budget cut? Yes, I do. However, we have seen when Disney cuts budgets and the finished product isn't really close to what they promised. It isn't close to... I don't want to say it... I don't want to say it doesn't meet your expectations because almost everything that they do here, even with a budget cut, still seems to blow me away. But there's always that one thing that's like, ah, but if we had, ah, but if we had this. I'm not getting that feeling with these new redesigns. I'm, I'm getting that it's a pivot, but I don't think it's a pivot in a bad way. I think that the fact that Clearly, after 2020 and the struggles that came in 2021, the fact that they're still giving us something that is still impressive, that is still functional, is something that should be applauded. I think the fact that they're creating a Communicore Plaza is a brilliant hat tip to the original concept of Epcot. Um, And I couldn't be happier with the redesign because, frankly... I never expected that we were going to get the Epcot that they designed and showed us at D23. And a lot of people didn't think we were getting that even before the pandemic happened, much less after. The fact that we're getting something comparable shows me that there is still the attention to detail and there's still the attention to the fans. Sometimes they have a funny way of showing it, Mm. but at the root of this, they're still putting something out there for 
us, and that's what impressed me the most. I mean, they broke ground, you know? It's not like they just had to pull the plug on certain projects and could only, had to pick and choose what they were going to do. They broke ground. So you have to roll with that. You have to get these projects completed where you've already started them. So, yeah, my guess is that with whatever was left, because, of course, you started Moana. We're getting Moana. So whatever was left after that, this is, this is the pivot. As long as we still get the Walt statue, I will be very, very happy because that w- this is his park. It's what he envisioned. It's what he dreamed about. It's what he wanted. Um, I-, I think it would be a travesty if they don't give him that hat tip and, and for the fans to have Walt in that park. I want to sit next to him, you know? Right. I, I want to see this through his eyes, so right. to speak. So... As long as that's preserved, I'm good. Um, anything else will be a vast improvement over these construction walls. Um, but I do think you're right, and I think that is part of like a bigger picture conversation where Disney has got to stop doing this and showing all of the cards and then not delivering on it. Because you're right, that was happening before the pandemic. It happened with Galaxy's Edge. Right. Uh you know, there were rumors of either more attractions. They were supposed to have the drones flying overhead. Right. It happened again with the Galactic Star Cruiser. Um, you know, it seems like Avengers Campus in DCA got everything that it was supposed to have. Right. Um, so that's great. But there has been a trend of hyping these projects and then they give us half of half of what was promised or in the case of Tron you build the thing and we're still nowhere closer to getting it so I really think that Disney has to hold the cards a little bit closer to the vest moving forward because of this I agree now you brought up a point that I think is perfect for the final talk topic that we have in this month's Dockside Chat that's good because I'm going to start slurring my words (laughs) um you talked about Epcot being Walt's vision. And Walt's vision originally for Epcot was that it was a place for work and play. Work being one of the big phrases. Um, and what we've noticed more and more, and it is a conversation about APs, it's, it's a conversation about Disney Park usage uh, in general, is... Um, people that are starting to show up at Disney parks and Disney property to work. You know, for example, when we went to Coronado and had that wonderful dinner on Mother's Day, um, there was somebody that was working on his laptop in the lobby of Coronado, and he had brought, like, a cooler, like, a lunch pail with him, like a straight-up igloo cooler, Um, which, listen, if that's what you want to do, that's your prerogative. It's your money. Spend spend your time as you want. Mm -hmm. Um... But you're starting to see more and more that people are bringing their work to the parks. Um, And it's sort of an interesting conversation on, would you do it? Do you feel that it's worth it to do it? Because you're just seeing so much more of it, especially with remote work being so prominent. That is my question. What are you doing? Because, I mean, for me, I am fully remote now, which is 
something that I never ever thought would happen because I work in television and it is such a collaborative environment I never ever thought that it would be possible to be fully remote but thankfully I've got a very understanding company and a great team that allows that to happen could I take my work just anywhere? no first of all confidentiality I can't have my show being broadcast unless it's on the air that's number one Number two, I can't focus like that. I listen to audio all day long. I can't have distractions, and you have seen how demanding things can get at times. I don't have the capacity to be anywhere other than my desk. So my hat's off to you if, if you can make that happen. The part for me, though, is there have always been families that come on vacation where... The breadwinner does have such a demanding job. They have to pop on their computer in the the morning to check email. My dad has done it when we came as a family. So I understand, or if you are here on business, staying at a place like Coronado, I understand that they do have these places to work and that sometimes, even if you are on vacation, you might need to check in. You know, it's not healthy. There need to be boundaries. You need to step away from the office. You need to use your vacation time for, spoiler alert, vacation. But sometimes it's it's just got to be done. So I understand that there are these designated spaces in the hotels. But what I have seen more and more is that post-pandemic, people working remotely, they are taking their laptops you know, if they're living in the Orlando area, they'll take them to the resorts during the day. They'll get a cup of coffee. They'll set up camp there. Okay, fine. A lot of, you know, uh, bloggers and, and people that have lived locally before the pandemic have been doing that. Great. But what I'm seeing more and more of is posts from, oh, I'm at Disney Springs for the day. Look at me blurring out the background of my Zoom call as I sit in Magic Kingdom and I'm working from here, the happiest place on earth. My question is, why would you even want to? Why would you want to bring your work to Disney? Why do you want it to be one and the same? I mean, maybe that's just me, that Disney is my happy place and Disney is an escape. And Disney is a vacation, so I don't want to bring work there. But I just feel like you're walking a fine line here of it becoming an unhealthy mental state for you to be in Disney in a place that does bring you peace and have that infiltrated by work. Uh, and this is coming from somebody who loves their job. Right. Um, I, I have a couple of ways that I look at this. The first is, number one, it's, you know, it's like J.G. Wentworth. It's my money and I want it now. It's your money. <laughs> spend it as you want. Um... That doesn't bother me. If that's how you want to spend your money and that's how you want to spend your time, God love you. Uh, You're entitled to it. Um, On the one hand, you, for example, decorated your office in such a way that you said you wanted it to be calming. For some people, if Disney is their happy place in a stressful moment, that might be what is calming for them. So far be it for me to criticize somebody from taking their job into a less stressful environment, and if that's the Magic Kingdom, or if that's Hollywood Studios, you know, again, that's your prerogative in life, that's fine. Um, If you're doing it for attention, get a new hobby. 
Um, and I think that there are a lot of people out there that are trying to live the YOLO life of, oh, well, I can be young and work in Disney and look at me. You know, it's like if you're doing it for the attention, then you're doing it for all the wrong reasons. And, um, you know, my job prior to us moving down here, and I knew signing up for it, required me when I was on vacation to take work calls and to take calls from clients because I worked in sales. If you're not working, you're not making money. That's just how it goes. And I was told, you can take vacations. However, bring your computer, bring your phone. You're on vacation, but you're not on vacation. Like, your your superiors, for the most part, would respect your vacation and not blow you up, but you had to cater to your clients. Right. And that was all well and good. And I was fine with it, and I knew that going in. So there were times when we came down here and I would have to work, but, like, quote-unquote work. It would be like... Quite honestly, I could say this now. The hell with it. I don't work for the job anymore. I check my email. I would check emails and voicemails like twice a day. Once in the middle of the day and once before cutoff. And that's when I did my work to make sure that any of the orders that were necessary for the next day got done because I wanted to make sure that my employer was happy. I wanted to make sure that my clients were happy. But at the end of the day, I had to make sure that we were happy and that we were getting our vacation. If you're coming down here with your family... And right. you're bringing your laptop because you have to sit on your laptop at Magic Kingdom. Number one, shame on your employer for putting you through that. Number two, shame on you because in some ways um, that's not fair to put your spouse through it, to put your kids through it. Because at the end of the day, if you're here as a family, you're here as a family, which means it's not about you. It's about everybody involved. Don't miss a moment. This is kind of a bigger picture conversation. Don't miss a moment in your child's life. Don't miss a moment in your family's life. Don't miss what we got to experience today through our friends, through their child, because somebody in Tokyo needs an email responded to right now. Right. And I think that's where you kind of teeter the line. If this is your happy place and this is what grounds you and this is what calms you, good on you. But if you're trying to do it for attention or if you're going to put unnecessary stress through other people, because that's the other thing. These are the people that will sit there and go, I went to Disney and had a miserable time. I spent $10,000 and all I did was respond to emails. Well, that's your fault. That's not Disney's fault. Um, But, uh, you know, ultimately it has no adverse effect on my life. Well, yes and no. I don't want to be eating at Skipper Cantina and overhear your business call either. Well, that's the other part of the conversation. Yeah. Um, And I think this is a good place to kind of wrap this conversation up because we've both seen it. We've both experienced it. Don't give us the stink eye because we're having a good time at our table at a restaurant because we interrupted your business call that you should not have been on online at a ride or at a Disney restaurant. Right. You may be working on your vacation, but I'm not working on mine, and it's not my responsibility to keep it down for your business call in Shanghai or Tokyo or Boston or New York or wherever in the hell you're on the phone. And certainly not a little kid that's here for the first time having the time of their life. Exactly, because you only get one first trip to Disney. Don't ruin it for anybody. Right. Thank you guys so much for joining us for this Dockside Chat. We will be back next month. And we want to hear from you. We'll be back next week with a movie review. Oh, yeah, but I'm saying we'll be back next week for a film review, but we will be back next month with a Dockside Chat, but we want to hear from you. Let us know if you've noticed the influx of people working at the Disney parks and whether it has affected you. 
uh, whether you have an AP or are trying to get an AP. Thoughts on New Epcot. Thoughts on New Epcot. Thoughts on Guardians if you've been on it. We want to hear from you. Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Monorail Radio. You can also email us, monorailradio at gmail.com. Don't forget, you can also follow us on TikTok at Monorail Radio. Like, subscribe, and rate us on Verbal or your podcast platform of choice. And for links related to everything Monorail Radio, it is online at monorailradio.com. I think it's just about time for last call. We got to get out of here. For Jackie, I'm Sean. Have a magical week, everyone.